Welcome to the podcast of New City Church. We hope this podcast inspires you on your journey of inward and outward transformation. Please join us on Sundays. You can find more information on our website, grownewcity.church. God bless you. Hey, I have a great announcement. We are kicking off a fresh new sermon series today. Yay! This here flesh is uh, all, okay, listen. This here flesh is based off of this new book that came out by the same title, written by Cole Arthur Riley, who famously started an Instagram, at Black Liturgies, tens of thousands of followers. This book is a New York Times bestseller book. And we, uh, a couple months ago, recently had an event with Cole Arthur Riley and Krista Tippett from the On Being program, uh, where we talked about uh, what this all means. And so we know that this is an important book for the uh, spiritual imagination of our country, and that is why we are digging into it. Cole Arthur Riley is a young, black, disabled uh, femme, queer femme, and like through this book, we get a new insight into what it means to be a person of faith. So we're very grateful for that. I also know that there are some folks here, as well as online, joining online, who joined us at that Krista Tippett event, uh, Cole Arthur Riley event. So can we just show some love for folks who uh, showed up to that event and then are uh, joining us on this journey? We're going to be reading a couple chapters every week. And uh, it's just, I mean, how many of you have already started it? It's so easy to read. It's just, it's like it just rolls off the page, right? Like it's just gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous. And um, this is all in support of the spiritual growth goals that we identified for this year. Here's our goals, by the way, if you're new to New City Church. We have inward goals, four inward goals, three outward goals, and then two um, ways of being together. So we're trying to Uh, in our inner life, change how we pray and the shame that we feel around prayer, practicing self-care, connecting ancestrally, and deconstructing and reconstructing beliefs. And then in our outer life, we're trying to practice healthy relationships. Uh, As a community, we're going to practice caucusing and mobilizing for our community. And then kind of in the midst of doing all of those things, we're going to uh, practice time together and creating art Yay, including our new letters, by the way. Have you seen these? Ah! They're so cute. Um, So we are doing this sermon series because the book pretty much hits on all these themes. It's pretty much much all the inward goals, and that's really exciting to us. We also have a sermon series challenge. So if you're reading along with us, uh, we are inviting you to take a picture every week that corresponds to the reading of of the chapter that we have for that week. So for example, this week we're going to be reading uh, the chapters Dignity, Place, and Wonder. So you can just take a picture of your book in a place that inspires dignity, place, or wonder, post it on Circle on Wednesday, which is our uh, social platform, and if you do, you get a rainbow New City Church notebook just in time for pride, everyone. Yes. <laughs> hey, live stream, look at this. Mm. Mm. Just in time for pride. Um, if you are not on Circle, you can always go to our website, grownewcity.church circle, and get your free account, and that is how we keep in touch uh, throughout 
the week. Yay! And, and hey, do you know what May 1st is? May Day, and it also is the beginning of Asian American Pacific Islander Month. Yay! So both of these things. May Day, of course, was um, started uh, as, a, as a labor rights movement, and um, it became like a, a flower thing. After the service, someone can explain this to me, how it became like a flower-related thing. But it's like an, a, a, traditionally around like advocating for rights. And so in South Minneapolis, we always have um, something around uh, May Day, whether it's a parade or there will be some gatherings in the park later. Because we believe that when we organize together, when there's people power, then we can... St- start creating the world that God imagines for us. You know, like we have to organize ourselves. We can't just sit on a chair and say like, okay, God, give us everything we need, right? Like God is like, you'll never come fully alive until you connect with community, organize together and strive for a new world. And I want you to be fully alive. And so this is, a, this is our invitation on May Day to remember that. And since it is both um, AAPI month and May Day, I want to highlight someone who I have been uh, really inspired to learn more about, and that is Dr. Mabel Pinghua Lee. Dr. Mabel Pinghua Lee. Not to be confused with another person named Mabel Lee, <laughs> who is uh, like a, a 1940s performer and tap dancer and singer and is amazing, but uh, uh, Mabel Pinghua Lee was born in Guangzhou, China. By 16, was marching with Anna Howard Shaw, moved to New York. By 16, was marching with Anna Howard Shaw in suffrage marches. Okay, so picture this like immigrant teenager riding on horseback in these suffrage marches, leading some of these marches, right? Okay, like learning English, trying to pick this up. And she was the first Chinese woman to get a doctorate in economics. And so she is just like, when I think about May Day, I think about people coming together and people like striving for the world that we know that we can create and, and striving for the dream that God set on our hearts. And, and I just think that this character, uh, this um, Dr. Mabel Lee, is someone who is really indicative of, of some of the goals that we have. But something that's interesting is that um, Mabel Lee fought for a dignity that she was not socially assigned, right? Like she, um, as an immigrant, as a young person, as a femme, as, a, um, as someone who was learning English, was fighting for something that was not yet given to her, something that was not like afforded to her in the, in the larger, larger structural society, something that she knew she was entitled to, but yet was not given to her. Some of you might have an imagination of some of the things that you know deep down inside that you, that you are entitled to, that is a certain God-given right for you to be able to live in a certain way, to, to love who you're going to love, to live with freedom, and to be able to go for runs and not be harassed, to be able to, um, to aspire to the dreams. Some of you have this deep gnawing hunger on the inside that's like, I know that the world that it is is not how how it should be for people like me. Some of you know that deeply. And, and uh, fortunately for you, we have folks who have gone before us, like Mabel Lee, to, uh, to um, uh, inspire us. However, something else that's important about this story and that I think is really relevant to the scripture for today is that 
In, in the 1920s, uh, Mabel Lee and all of these suffrage movements succeeded and passed the 19th Amendment, but Mabel Lee still couldn't vote because she was Chinese. And the Chinese Exclusion Act forbade Chinese folks from becoming citizens. And citizens, you have to become a citizen in order to vote. And so do you see what I'm, do you see the complexity of what's going on here? Mabel Lee strove for rights that even once accomplished, she herself could not exercise, but she was still showing up for the movement because I believe that Mabel Lee and so many other uh, uh, organizers and ancestors knew that, that, that when all of us do better, then all of us do better. <laughs> that when the water raises, then all of the boats go higher. And, and um, the suffrage movement, I think, really benefited from the support of folks like Mabel Lee and um, Frederick Douglass, I think, was at uh, Seneca Falls. To, to say, like, sometimes we strive for... Um, Sometimes we strive for rights that aren't immediately available to us, and even after we win the thing, aren't going to be fully exercised there. Like sometimes, sometimes we have to we have to believe that if we put our work into the kingdom, that that the people who go after us will be able to live a life that we ourselves can't exercise within ourselves, and that is what it means to be part of a movement. It's not just to get your own. It's not just for selfishness. It's because you believe that you're a part of a lineage of people who believe that a different world is possible. And when you show up, that world gets a little closer. And when you don't show up, that world gets a little farther away. That's what it means to be part of a lineage. And I believe that Jesus set off the most powerful lineage of all, a lineage of liberation, founded not in simply dreams, founded not in simply the work of man's and women's and uh, queer people's hands, but founded in the grace of God, the thing that can never be removed. And so, uh, so we are engaging in this sermon series, and as you all are doing your reading for this week, um, that sounds so homeworky. As you are becoming alive in the text this week, as Cole Arthur Riley inspires you to live a new life, uh, you are going to be uh, engaging chapter one, which is about dignity. Chapter one, which is about dignity. And I think that she started with this chapter because she knew unless there was a certain baseline of dignity, then we're never going to be able to learn about God. There has to be a certain baseline of understanding who we are and, and a semblance of ourselves in order to be able to understand God. This is what she says. Our liberation begins with the irrevocable, say irrevocable, irrevocable belief that we are worthy to be liberated, that we are worthy of a life that does not degrade us but honors our whole selves. Okay? Y'all better turn up a little bit. Like, this is good stuff. And um, so irrevocable means it can't be erased. Irrevocable means that it is there permanently. Irrevocable means that no matter what happened this week, your belovedness is not erased. Irrevocable means that no matter how messed up your childhood was, that there's a certain belovedness that cannot be erased. Irrevocable means that if there are policies that refuse to see your humanity, that there is still something there that cannot be erased. No matter how hard the empire scrubs away at your dignity, there is something underneath there. There is a soul that God created that is saying you are loved you are loved and that cannot be erased this is our gift 
This is what it means to be a human, to have something irrevocable about us. And we learn about this in the beginning of the Bible, in the book of Genesis, where all human beings are made in whose image? In God's image. All human beings are made in the image of God, this holy image of God that says, um, I'm going to put something irrevocable in your life. And your whole, all of the haters and all the trolls and all the empire are going to try to make you forget about it. Because if you forget about your irrevocable belovedness, then you can be manipulated and objectified in all sorts of ways. But if you hold on to your anchor, if you remember the ways that God is moving in your life and in so worshiping a God of creation, then there is so much that is going to come at you and you will keep your footing. Do you see what I'm saying? We have, to, we have to engage this irrevocable love of God. And, uh, and it does beg the question, like, so why don't we have uh, this sense? Or why do so many of us? Or why is it so easy to forget that? You know, some folks are like, no, I, I definitely believe that I have an irrevocable uh, love of God. And then, you know, you show up to work on, on Monday and stuff happens. That's like, oop, now I'm in this like terrible shame spiral and I'm, I'm not about this life anymore. And it's like, okay, well, that's not what irrevocable means. <laughs> you know, like if your workplace can change your sense of being beloved, then that's not irrevocable. If, you, if, if your uh, roommate uh, can forget some chores, and then all of a sudden you're in this, like, like spiral. <laughs> I see people nodding to each other. Uh, then that's not irrevocable, right? Like, if, if you are, like, if, some, if something that you see in the news can make you forget your irrevocable nature, then that's not irrevocable. And that, that is not something to be ashamed about. It's an invitation to dig deeper. That's what this whole book is about. It's an invitation to dig deeper. So maybe you have some self-doubt or maybe you have um, a lot of rage about how things are going or maybe there's some cynicism or growing perfectionism. You all, uh, if you've been around New City for a second, then you know about the Enneagram. Like there's nine different ways that we can forget about ourselves. Whatever that, however that is showing up, it's nothing to be ashamed about. It's simply an invitation to dig deeper. It's an invitation for you to know that there is a God who is reaching out to you beyond the noise. And the work of living a human life is to, is to quiet the traffic of our minds. This is Howard Thurman. Uh, to quiet the traffic of our minds to hear the, the sound of the genuine. That's, that's kind of our task. And the, here's the thing. The better you are at doing that within your own life and your own self, the better you will be in recognizing the irrevocable belovedness in other people as well. This is one of the indicators that you're growing in your faith, that you are both in touch with your own soul, the belovedness of your soul, as well as the belovedness of all the people around you. Ooh, all the people around you, including the people you don't like, including the, the, the people whose worldview you're like, huh? The, the folks who are like watching what channel for, for news? The folks who, like all the, all the people, like, like our practice cultivates dignity collectively. We are all made more free when we start to recognize the God-given dignity in all of our lives. This is kind of the theory of change of Jesus. Jesus was like, oh yeah, I'm going to go to like the tax collectors, people 
are not a big fan of those, as well as the sex workers, as well as the religious leaders, as well as the zealots, the extremists. And I'm gonna show each of them how God is showing up in each of their lives. And until we can start recognizing all of that, then we're not going to, we're not ever gonna evolve as a society. And it always starts with the most marginalized. It always starts in recognizing the dignity of the lives of the people who are most shut out by society. Because if we, as Jesus shows us, if we can recognize the dignity of the person who is locked up in the cemetery, then we could start seeing the dignity in everyone. If we could start seeing the dignity of the woman who's going to the well in the Middle East at noon because she's so ashamed of how the rest of her society talks about her, if we could see dignity in her, then we can see dignity in everyone else. If we could see dignity in the people who are in an untouchable caste because of leprosy in their society, then we can see the dignity in everyone else. Jesus says we have to move towards the margins because unless you start seeing dignity in the folks who are most shut out, then you will never be able to see the dignity in yourself. This is the invitation. So um, I, I, I think that it's, it's indicative of this story because we learned that shame was born in Eden. You know, like we, we see in this story of, of Adam and Eve, and by the way, if you're new to Christianity or new to the Bible, you might have kind of this pop knowledge of Adam and Eve. So this idea that like there was a perfect garden, there were two people, um, some biblical scholars, this is a total tangent, some biblical scholars believe that um, uh, before Adam was formed from Eve's rib, that it was actually a non-binary being, and then the formation of the rib turned into, okay, there's like okay so there's like you know what i'm saying like there's it's like what if like the first human was non-binary and then like god was like okay we okay uh that's a total tangent but i'm i'm talking about um so there's that story you might be familiar with it um and then there's like a snake that's like hey eat this eat this fruit and they're, they're like oh my gosh snake me and the snake is like yes and and then, and then they're like okay and then then they eat the fruit and uh it is a fruit that uh is the shows you the knowledge of good and evil it's the fruit that shows you the knowledge of good and evil and, uh, and so then, all of a sudden, the people feel ashamed of their nakedness. For the first time, they were just kind of like strolling around before in the garden, everything was fine. Clothes didn't exist, and then, uh, and then shame was born uh, after, after eating this fruit, and God like strolled into the garden and was like, whoa, you're acting different. There's a, there's a certain shadow of shame over you, and, and you're not honoring your belovedness how you should. You're not loving the body that you were created in, which, by the way, is like a miracle, and, and, you, and you're not relating to each other in ways that honor each other's dignity. Like, whoa, 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 wait, what happened here? What happened here? And, and what I love about the observation that Cole Arthur O'Reilly makes is that when God couldn't, when people couldn't find their own dignity, God made them a garment of dignity. This is such an interesting observation. I never, I've read this story hundreds of times and I've never um, observed this before and Cole Arthur Riley brings it up in chapter one that the folks were ashamed of their bodies and hiding. And instead of God being kind of like, suck it up, deal with it, you gotta do this, like come on out, um, God was like, I'm gonna meet you where you're at and, and stitch you a garment. I'm gonna be a seamstress for you so that you have a garment to, to protect you in this place while you're still kind of figuring some stuff out. 
You don't have to have it all figured out to start following Jesus, by the way. You don't have to have like a perfect life to, to, with everything pristine and you're doing all the things all the time. You don't have to do the most to start being Christian. You simply have to believe that there is something deeper within you and within all of society that we need to discover in order to become free. Following Jesus is like discovering a grace that comes in the form of garments, a grace that says, eventually one day you will not live in shame, but in the meanwhile, I'm still going to show my love to you. In the meanwhile, I will still show that I care about you in, in stitching these garments together. I love this observation because it shows us that God is always meeting us where we're at, and, but God is never leaving us where we started. God is always meeting us where we're at, but God is never leaving us where we started. God was like, okay, I'm seeing that you're feeling kind of ashamed. I'm going to invite you to a new way, and I'm going to be with you every step of the way. And who exemplified that more than Jesus, who was like, I'm going to come, I mean, this is like, I don't know if any of you were around during Easter or Good Friday, but that was God's solidarity to all of creation to be like, I'm going to go through the very worst that the empire has to throw at you to show you that God's love cannot be conquered. God's love cannot be colonized. God's love cannot fall and bend a knee to the empire. God's love is, is, is liberation itself, and liberation cannot be contained. And so uh, that, is, that was the invitation that Adam and Eve had, and that is the invitation that we as people of faith have, if you identify as a person of faith. And I wonder if, if these spiritual practices, prayer, worship, meeting together in community, striving for justice, if these Christian practices might slowly uncover in you the, uh, the belovedness that cannot be erased, that, that slowly through these practices, you will grow in your confidence, not as an achiever, but as a child of God. And it makes me wonder if Dr. Mabel Pinghua Lee knew her belovedness through Christian community, because she was the direct, she, her dad was a missionary in New York, and then she in like the 1920s became the director of the first Chinese Baptist church. She spoke prolifically and taught about Christian teaching while also being a suffragette. She fundraised so much money to start the Chinese Christian Center in New York. She dedicated her life to Christian community. She was offered uh, uh, tons of jobs everywhere, like she had a doctor in economics, and she traveled back and forth to China three times in her lifetime, always being offered to live another life. And she said, I believe that, I mean, this is me interpreting her life story, that, that Christian community is the place where liberation is. And so even though she understands economics and understands the importance of democracy, she knew that underneath all of that, there was a certain truth that needed to be uncovered in order for anything to change. She created Christian community because the God of liberation is found in Christian community. And when we recognize that God of liberation, we start to see her everywhere. This is the, the work of being a community of faith. And I'm so inspired by this feminist organizer pastor who found a way uh, in the 1920s 
to strive for a dignity for her lineage that we are all benefiting from, not only because of uh, um, the right to vote, but the right to have a soul. She created a theological legacy that all of us are living in right now, that Cole Arthur Riley is in now, that Eve and Adam <laughs> in, their, in, their descent, in their ancestry are, all, all of these stories, all of these characters are all part of a movement to transform the world. Hey, I know that your life gets really hard sometimes, and I know that you get really busy, and sometimes it just feels like nuts with how much you have to do, and, and sometimes it's just like so overwhelming how much pressure there is on your life. And one of the tools of the empire is to make you hyper-focus so much on how, much, how you're going to make it till tomorrow or how you're going to get this or that done, how you're going to make this deadline, that you forget the bigger picture that you are operating in. You forget the, the lineage that you are a part of. You forget the movement of people who are striving alongside you. You are not alone in this world. You have thousands of years before you and thousands of years ahead of you of people who are striving in solidarity with you. I know that life can get lonely and I know that it can get intense, but perhaps that is simply an invitation to dig deeper into your soul. Perhaps it's simply an invitation to quiet the traffic of your mind and discover once again the indelible lo belovedness of your life. Amen.